Hey guys, I'm Julian Rodriguez of Momento NFT, the platform that helps you own the moments that matter. I'm on Edge of NFT, the podcast that takes you to the leading edge of what matters in NFTs. Stay tuned. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how Memento is shifting the landscape of how creators connect with their fans and generate value from their creations. And how our guest today was such a bookworm as a kid, he was convinced he could sell his childhood book collection door to door. And hey, what's on the mind of a true crypto OG who was one of the first ASIC miners in our galaxy? All this and more on today's episode. Enjoy. And remember, NFTLA is coming March 28th to the 31st. It will be an unforgettable experience featuring the creme de la creme in the NFT space. Head on over to nftla.live to get your tickets as early as possible for the best pricing. And if you or someone you know wants to partner with us to co-create this special, unforgettable experience, there are still opportunities to get involved, but they are also going fast. So please reach out to us at contact at edgeofnft.com. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's Sponsored Spotlight episode features Julian Rodriguez, founder and CEO of Memento, an NFT social network for the creator economy. It allows you to own your favorite viral moments or create your own NFTs with zero fees. Julian is a serial entrepreneur, our favorite kind, product manager, and innovation-focused strategist. He loves leading teams that build easy-to-use products that solved large problems. Julian was the founder and CEO of a disruptive venture capital backed tech startup in the B2B food service space. In 2013, he joined the Bitcoin magazine and worked directly with its co-founder, Vitalik Buterin. He was a very early team member and advisor to several successful crypto and blockchain projects, including Ethereum. In 2013, he became one of the first Bitcoin ASIC miners on Earth, or any planet for that matter, that we know of, I guess we have to say. He has been a lifetime member of the Bitcoin Foundation since 2013. Currently, he sits on two non-for-profit boards that focus on the urban tech pipeline in the South Bronx. Julian, welcome. Hey, hey guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. I didn't write that, by the way. Someone else wrote that. That sounds amazing. Hey, right on. And shout out to Cushy, one of our uh, pre-production assistants that helps out with all these things. So yeah, big shout out there. Dude, that's an impressive background though. Something else. You've been in and, and around I love the space how we bring it all back to the Bronx too. Right? That's Boogie awesome Bronx, too. man. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Got to end there. Definitely been very fortunate. New York City has been great to me, 100%. Can we mint that moment of reading the bio on your platform and <laughs> sell it to you? That's the real question. <laughs> yeah, no, we actually can. We can. I'll get on that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, that's the thing. Gosh, guys, you know, one of the things we just did was our 100th episode and we it was just us and we we're reflecting on some of the cool things that we've experienced here. We didn't get too deep into like the fun moments that have happened. Man, there's a lot of them, like mic drop moments from guests and other fun things that we've unearthed on the show. 
And from day one, basically, we've always felt like these are special things that followers and fans of, of us or anybody else would want to have and, and to be able to experience and show off. And they should be NFTs. And there should be an easy way to do that, right? And it feels like what Memento is and, and is becoming and will be is something that's been like a content creator's dream really for a long time, but just hasn't been brought to fruition. And really curious, man, where did this idea come from? How did you bring it to life? I've been fortunate to be in and around crypto for a very long time. And so part of my role in the magazine was to right, review and understand sort of all the projects that were happening like globally. Right. And then of course, seeing Vitalik's, you know, like take on everything was just like huge. Right. And I've been seeing sort of projects come up and like sort of fizzle out and how regulation sort of affects us and how people sort of adopt projects. And I think it was really clear that now in 2020, right, when we had sort of just this focus of, you know, people online spending more time digitally, that the way that they wanted to interact with digital projects was going to be fundamentally different, right? And so this was like the catalyst that we were waiting for in crypto, because I think that we wanted it, things to sort of go this, this route, but what crypto really turned into was just a bunch of speculation, right? And it's like people just wanted to sort of get rich, get rich quick, sort of like buy, sell, buy, sell, just the actual coins, right? That's like what we see like today, like over 8,000 coins and sort of pump and dump rug pull projects left and right. And so that definitely sidetracked, I think, a lot of the early building, right? 2013, 2014, early building. And that pissed off the regulators, right? So like in New York, particularly, we got the bit, the bit license super early on. Man, that scared a ton of people. I mean, scared me. It moved Vitalik down to Florida. That's where he, you know, unveiled the sort of Ethereum white paper to the public was in the Miami conference. And he never came back to New York. He ended up moving into sort of Europe and then from Europe over to Asia. It was like nuclear winter for New York. I looked towards Silicon Valley and wanted to understand how people really build value from a traditional startup sense or, or point of view. Because uh, I had no idea sort of, right, like what that was like. Everything crypto at the time, especially, you know, being a miner was very layer one protocol oriented, right? Very sort of hardcore. You know, there's this magic box that plugs into other boxes and, you know, let, let's sort of mint coins this way. But now, right, like what does it look like to really build a product, ship the product, bring value to people and sort of have this grow at scale is really what I learned. And then it just became apparent, right, that we were spending more and more time on the internet. And so what that means is eventually the digital content that we are consuming now has to be owned, cataloged, and priced, right? And it's just a natural fit for smart contracts, right, sort of blockchain tech and NFTs to be the medium through which you do that, right? There's just like no, like, there hasn't been any other way that really services everyone equally or equitably in that fashion until right now, right? So, you know, we tried it with the sort of large social media companies and all they did was, you know, I like to say, all they did was manipulate our attention, right? Like they're sort of hurting us digitally so that they can run ads, right? That's where they make really all their money. And so ideally, I, I just, I don't think that human interaction really works like that, right? Like, if I'm inspired by an athlete or a celebrity, I don't really want to hear about like detergent or toothpaste. And really, I might not even really want to hear sort of tangential sort of services, right? Like how to become a celebrity or, or something like that. I want more access to the people who inspire me. And I think that that component is what's really missing on the internet. 
So, you know, long story short, I guess it was just a combination of, I think, failings and like seeing things go wrong and then trying to sort of reverse engineer that and add it all together and really just bring a toolkit that solves the crypto problem. Because I think that the tech is validated. Now we're just trying to solve for a use case, right? Like, can the tech really be used for what people want to use it for? And I think we're here. That's great, man. So Amazing. how specifically is Momento reshaping the way people interact with these viral moments on the internet? Break it down for us. Yeah, so we made it simple, right? I think that's the first thing. We made it simple, we made it fun. This is as easy as like what people do today on social media, which is just upload content from their phone, short form video, images, and then just sharing that with your community, right? And so giving your fans the option to own that moment and then they can partake in the upside as well, right? So now with NFTs, as you guys all know, right? I mean, there's unlimited royalties, right? So that now comes into play where the owner continues to receive royalties from their content in perpetuity, but so does sort of each owner in the chain as well, right? And so we're balancing that through right, our smart contracts, but also we incentivize people to do what they do normally on social media today. So liking, sharing, right, commenting, all of that, we have sort of an inside economy around our token and incentivizes people to do that, right? And so the best example I think that's out there of something like that is kind of how like a Brave Browser works today, right? I remember when I saw them a couple of years ago, I was introduced to them a couple of years ago. I said, this is genius, right? Like you have a web browser that gives you everything you want from a web browser, but incentivizes you to actually sort of use it, right? To be on the internet. And so we brought that into social media. It's really beautiful stuff. And I mean, the more we play around in and co-create and sort of witness this revolution in Web3, it's so much of it is about incentives and incentivization and understanding that and exploring that and developing that. Talked a little bit about the origins of this. And we, you know, we have this status quo in social media and online presence, and there's a hierarchy of ownership. Can you just talk about how you view the status quo? And it seems like you want to change it. You know, how do you intend to change it? So totally one-sided, right? Totally userous. Again, total attention manipulation. Essentially, if you're a creator today, you are donating your content for free, right? you essentially hope that you get viral or figure out some you know, nuanced sort of way to exploit the algorithm that ultimately continues just moving the goalposts on you whenever they want. And you might get, what, a fraction of a percentage of the lion's share of revenue being generated by the social media company, aka Facebook Corp, right? And so that to me doesn't seem like an advantageous situation for creators and much less the creator fan base. Can I play a devil's advocate for a second? All right. I don't know that I'm going to agree with what I'm going to ask, but I just want to see how you address it. Yeah. What about the argument that, yeah, that's how you pay for Facebook. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like you like Facebook, you like being on there, you're having fun. No, you don't want to put your credit card down for like 50 bucks a month or whatever. You pay by going ahead and giving your content and they get to do what they want with it. What's wrong with that? Like, how come that's not fair? That's great for Facebook. What I'm saying is not great for the creators, right? And it's not great for their audience, right? So you know, Facebook has a legitimate business. I just think what we're going to see is a shift away from that model, right? Where clearly, you know, people who... So for example, we don't really... We're not really attempting to replace existing social media. I think that there's a place for it. But what we're trying to do is... So 
if you're building up your social media presence, right, you're out there and you say, I want to become a creator. You should validate, you, right, your audience on these sort of model-based platforms, right? They're going to really show you if there is some quality there, you're going to build your following, and then you can sort of use the varying supply of, of all of them, right? But once you want to build closer connections to your audience, right, there's really no place to do that. Right, because the connection is between the brand and the social media company. Right. So if you want to go a layer deeper, now you're sort of moving beyond web 2.0. And the only way you can really get deep into it is through web three. Right. And so we offer you the ability to tokenize your content, reach out directly to your audience, and even add utility. Right. I mean, there's this entire layer of utility that we're not really talking about NFTs. We're only seeing in like a very small group of offerings like board apes, right? I mean, like the community has now grown into private events and parties in exper- in total experiential form, right? And I think it's awesome. I went to one in November and I was blown away. Like I'd been to a lot of parties in my life, but this was totally different. And I left that seeing board apes in a very different light psychologically and being interested in owning more. I was nowhere in that before that party. And so what we're doing is on a micro level, right? For the creators, giving that sort of utility to the NFT as well, right? So you can imagine things like, hey, I don't want to take like a super huge celebrity because I, I think it's overly obvious, but, you know, let's say, you know, Kanye, right? Kanye makes an NFT. Cool. The NFT itself will sell for a lot of money, but it will be even more enticing if Kanye says, hey, you get to, you know, I'm going to be in LA once every three months at distinct location. You get to talk to me for an hour if you own this NFT, Right. The value there and the resale value to that is like ridiculous. Right. And there's no really other way where people sort of coordinate that in a turnkey frictionless way. Right. Today, even right now, if Kanye wanted to do that, he'd have to sort of put this all together by himself, put it up on OpenSea or Rarible. It's a big one off event. You can imagine the price point is probably going to like hit like six figures easily. Right. So it might shut out a lot of his audience where this is. I think more accessible to a larger group of people, right? And it doesn't even have to be like in person. It could be live streams. It could be even merch. I think we're going to see now the next evolution of utility around NFTs. And we're trying to bring that to the direct audience on a one-on-one creator relationship. Right. I mean, can you imagine if all Justin Bieber's followers that discovered him, you know, super early on, you know, had his early, super early bird, like, you know, NFTs that he did from day one. That's what what comes to mind for me is like all these people that have small communities that are being discovered. We talk about uh, the the ability for fans to kind of put their stamp on somebody and say, I was there early and, you know, whatever, you know, when they, with their first release or before they even did anything officially. And there are ways to do it, but we can talk about generally ways to do it with NFTs, but there hasn't actually been an easy button for that. And that's really what we're talking about, right? This easy button, which is amazing. But what we're doing, like there's so many content creators, right? People that are up and coming, of course, existing, you know, people that have big followings as well. There's just a lot of content that's going to be created on the backbone of NFTs. So NFTs in and of themselves, we can consider as like an asset class, but really this kind of content from content creators is a little bit different, right? I mean, it's almost it's asset class and in itself, right? It's its own thing. Like, how do you think about that? Like, does that play into like how you think about Memento and what you're actually enabling here? Yeah, a hundred percent. Right on our website. That's like one of our biggest taglines is content as an asset class, 
Yeah. You know, we really believe that digital content is going to be, you know, priced, traded, borrowed against, leveraged on. This is sort of the new derivative, the new global derivative. And we're trying to empower that by just creating sort of the perfect sandbox for people, right, to mess around with, right? So the creators price their content, the users have full governance, right? We're going to have a foundation around the token and they have full governance around the actual protocol. We sort of just sit back, sort of just facilitating these transactions, right? We'll never run ads. We just want to empower people to continue to be inspired by the people and the moments that matter to them. That's amazing, man. Um, feels like big, big opportunity here for value creation. We always talk about increasing the size of the pie, right? And to create value and you know, capture some of that value that you created, you know, for your, your organization. But this feels like one of those really big opportunities to increase the size of the pie based on what you're building. It's very cool. I'm pretty excited about how you're looking at social media in a web three context, you know, really reflecting on what just doesn't work. And some of the celebrities that have gotten into the space include Katy Perry, Doja Cat, Paris Hilton. There's so many more. What does this tell you about the way creators have been using NFTs and what the future holds? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I talk to creators on a daily basis and, you know, even coming into this project, there was like one like sore for what I thought was like a black eye on the space. And it was sort of the creator coin concept, right? Like early on, especially in 2020, a lot of people were like really trying to make their own coin and sort of pump that, right? There were even some early projects that like tried to be the ecosystem for people's coins. I won't name any names, right? But they flamed out really quick. It was bad for everyone. I mean, look, in 2013, we covered what I think is the first creator coin project, which ironically was a Kanye coin back in 2013. Kanye didn't really like it too much. I think they just took his name. So he sued them. This was during like the South Park episode, the fish stick episode. So they, they, they rebranded and turned into like fish stick coin to piss them off. We sued them again. It was very clear that this wasn't really going to sort of go anywhere. That's so how I was amazed that now in 2020, you know, people tried to pick that back up. And even now, you know, 2022, there are still some creators that I think are, believe that that's the direction where the market is still going or still stuck in. And I mean, I'm very upfront. I don't believe in creator coins. I think it's a really bad concept. I think it adds another layer of friction between the creator and the fan base, right? It's just creators are creators. They're not like asset managers, right? I just never really understood why people would go in that direction. And so we want creators to focus on the content and we want the fans to focus on that relationship, right? And just uh, creator coins just never seem like a good idea. Yeah, I mean, NFTs like really... Dude, there's so many great use cases. It's the best use case for crypto, I feel like, to date, right? Like blockchain technology, NFTs are such a great use case for it. And then the use cases for NFTs, right, just on top of it are really unlimited. And, and Creator Coins, was a, it was an attempt, right? It was an attempt to use blockchain to do something and, and create that value that was there ready to be tapped. But it really is NFTs and the evolution of them that's going to make the difference, I think, right? It's such a great fit. It's just hard to deny. It's like so obviously a great fit. Yeah, yeah. I think right here, sitting here in New York, right? Madison Avenue, right? All the big media agencies, they know it's coming, right? Everyone is So I'm hearing that they're thinking of NFTs the way people were thinking of SEO back in like 2005, 2004, right? The way SEO changed digital marketing is the way they know NFTs are going to change media and entertainment and advertising. 
we're seeing no resistance there, right? Like I said, I think this is definitely the time. I mean, I've been sort of waiting in, in the weeds for like a decade now and decided to pull the trigger now really because this is really a time. I mean, NFTs combined with everything that's happening in DeFi, you know, people finally just get it. Crypto is, is definitely here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. I mean, I think for pulling the trigger at this time, that can be one of the frustrations of being involved in things that are ahead of their time. This kind of knowing when, you know, to hop, get up on the surfboard and ride that wave or, you know, wait for the next one or whatever. And, and I do think we're all seeing that it's a good time to be in this space with respect to the people that have been in, in it for a long time. But it's, it's a time to seize the opportunity. That leads to a, a wonderful topic. You've successfully raised $6 million in funding from investors. We got folks like Animoca Brands, FTX, Mark Pincus. These are really, really great folks to have on board. Congratulations on that. Thank you. What other partnerships can we expect going yeah, forward? So we are partnered with some of the biggest blockchains, and clearly most visible, recognizable blockchains. So Solana, uh, Flow, Clayton. I'm not sure if a lot of a lot of people know about Clayton, but it, it's huge, especially in Asia. Stacks, which is a transfer protocol on Bitcoin, I'm really excited about them. And Ripple, right? I think Ripple has definitely it's been top of mind for a very long time, and I think it ran into a couple of issues. But to me, I mean, that just signifies like how big they are, right? Like if the SEC is targeting you because you're a big deal, Ripple is coming out with a bunch of really interesting, sophisticated tools that they've never had before. And so we're one of their earliest partners on that. You're doing so much. You've been in and around this space for so long. We're really curious, man. Like today, where do you look for inspiration? Like who do you look to within the NFT space? Like what gets you going? The minute you said that, you know, I mentioned Flow, but Dapper Labs has been huge, right? Ro, Mickey, Anouk, all those guys over there have been huge in helping us sort of network in the ecosystem and also understand, right, some early use cases, right? I mean, Topshot was fabulously you know, famous and successful, right? And I think what they did. And even before that, right, CryptoKitties in 2016 really sort of proved the mold. And I'll be honest, in 2016, I did not get CryptoKitties at all. I thought like, yo, what the hell is going on? Like, this is what we're doing now, right? But Rohelm has definitely been uh, way ahead of his time. And right, he, you know, Animoca, so Robbie from Animoca was in and around, sort of helped them seed that idea as well. And so to be able to work with these guys today is just huge, right? And so I would say for inspiration, I'm definitely looking square at Rohelm all the time. Um, yeah, and they did, man, they did such a good job too. I mean, it was such a jump forward, right? And what they delivered over a year ago now, kind of in the fall of 2020, was it was so far beyond like where everybody else was at in the realm of NFTs that people are still trying to catch up on that front. Yeah. UI UX, like just the thoughtfulness that went into it, building their own you know, blockchain, having that foresight. If you're a customer, you don't even need to know that it's on the blockchain at all. You don't even have to know that, right? To experience you know this amazing entire program that set up over there. So it's really cool. And I have to say, I give a shout out to Animoca Brands, Robbie and, and Yatsu and those guys. Amazing crew, also investors in us, Edge of NFT. Uh, so really, really love those guys. Hey, real quick, check this out. For those true fans who pay close attention to Edge of NFT, we're experimenting with some fun new rewards. 
You can get a free POAP NFT. That's a proof of participation NFT from us by going to our Discord, edgeofnft.com slash Discord, and reaching engagement level 6 by January 31. Log on now and get started. Go to edgeofnft.com slash Discord. Jump in, have fun, learn something, and get your free POAP NFT. There's only 50. Also, if you're the first to get one, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Doing some amazing things with Memento. Can't wait to see where it's going. But we wanted to take a minute, take a step back and get you know some personal answers on a set of questions that we call edge quick hitters. There's 10 questions and we're looking for like short single word or few word responses, but sometimes we go a little bit deeper, all about just getting to know you a little bit better. You ready to dive in on these things? Yeah. All right, man, let's do it. Okay. Question number one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? First thing I ever remember purchasing was actually, it was a garage sale. It was a garage sale where I was, you know, so I'm from Long Island. They were just like, there were books. So the Bearstein Burns books, I don't know why. I just nice. had to buy them. <laughs> I think I was, I think I paid for like 50 cents for each. I had like a dollar 50. So I bought three. Oh, isn't there like a big Mandela effect thing with the Bern, yeah. is it Bernstein bears and how it's spelled or something like that? That's what they say. I was never confused. I can't remember which version I remember, but I think I remember the wrong one. But yeah. <laughs> right. There's so many of those are crazy. Nice. Right on. Okay. Question number two, what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? <laughs> so the same books, someone sold it to me. Nice. And then like a couple of months later, I was like, Hey, I should sell more books. So <laughs> I, remember I, had, I had like a Star Trek plastic briefcase I don't know. I don't know what this nice. is. For. I didn't know that even existed. Yeah, yeah. And I put all those books in there, and I put like a paper tag, like you know, wrote like ten cents, you know, fifteen cents, and taped it onto every book. And I was gonna go like door to door because I guess I thought like since I like books, I like books, <laughs> so I'll just bring them the books. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. I never did it. My mom thought that that wouldn't work, but. <laughs> She didn't get you into encyclopedia sales. <laughs> no, we're we're pleased that. with the path you did take though, brother. All right, question number three. What is the most recent thing you purchased? The most recent thing. So besides food, I'm going to say the coolest thing I purchased. Sure. I got back into Pokemon cards. Ah. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going all vintage, right? So okay. I'm just getting like the first vintage sets, like the first five to like gym heroes or, or whatnot. And yeah, I've been... I've been jumping back into Pokemon cards. Nice. It's coming coming back around. I, we've heard that a few times here lately. Uh, yeah. So there's something happening there. Question number four. What is the most recent thing you sold? So besides NFTs on Memento, monitors. I, I sold some old monitors from my last startup. Question number five. What is your most prized possession? My most prized possession... I own things that are tradable, right? Sort of liquid assets, but mm -hmm. I'm honestly not too attached to that. I will say my most prized possession is my Casper mattress. I like love that thing. It's like amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like today's solid. episode yeah. is brought to you by Casper. <laughs> <laughs> Josh and Ethan, do you guys have do you guys have like Casper or one of the other similar I, mattresses i have like it's like dream something it's like one of those brands but i looked at the research and i have to say i love my mattress too and it's a very important thing to love your mattress yeah yeah i it think is. we're in a, in a new zone of humanity where like we're finally like sleeping correctly 
Dream Cloud. Let's give a shout out to Dream Cloud because they also have dope, <laughs> dope mattresses. Dream Cloud and Casper. And, and I got a purple what? mattress. So we'll, we'll go with and, that one and, too. <laughs> and Dream Cloud, guys, has a one year sleep guarantee. So, like, if you don't like it after like nine months, you get a free refund. You can't if you wake that. up before one year. Go to edgeofnft.com slash dream cloud. We're working working to sponsor angles. Awesome. Okay, moving on, guys. Question number six. Julian, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? Man, I want to say more time, but I guess you can't buy time. Got your eye on anything out there? Maybe another Pokemon card? (laughs) (laughs) I really like what we're doing. So I don't really think too much about like, what if you could upgrade your mattress? What if it could be even yeah. better? If Casper's got a new mattress, right? I'll just stop. Okay. I'll be early adopter. There it is. I don't nice. know, maybe a spaceship if they're like selling those, right? They are selling them. Nice. I like this because most people say they want to trip into space. Just go ahead and get your own spaceship. You could cruise around whenever you want. That's true. See, that's some pilot lessons. That's thinking outside the box right there for sure, right? (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I want a trip to space. No, 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 no. I want a spaceship. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Question number seven, shifting gears a little bit. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? It would definitely be, I think, just like relentless perseverance. Just like the whole don't give up thing, right? I think... I think a lot of people, it's okay to complain and give up. And I feel like, I might be wrong, I hope I'm wrong, but I feel like the younger generation is falling more and more into that, where I kind of fell in love with like things that are really hard. It seemed to have paid out, right? It was a long payout, but I think maybe just that perspective, right? That like things that are hard are actually good. Yeah, man, it's evidenced by your you know continued pursuit of uh, work within the world of blockchain and crypto, right? You've seen so many boom and bust cycles, right? Since you got involved with it first. So it's easy to quit when the times are tough, right? Good stuff. Question number eight, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Definitely that everything doesn't have to be exact, Mm. right? Like it's definitely better to just trust in the fact that you can get things out there and then see what goes wrong, right? Like everything doesn't have to be like, fully calculated like it's not even like it's good for you right like so it's like kind of like who are you kind of doing that for and right like it, it's worse if you just don't get it out there yeah right? like yeah if i would have known that i would have probably built the last company better i think that that leads you to kind of start the whole micromanaging thing and right like you know like putting the wrong type of incentives and pressures on people who ultimately could actually help you and so yeah i suspect that that's what it is right like that sort of fake perfection yeah. It's in the way. Draws on a lot of the ethos of like lean startup development or agile development, right? Where you get it out there, test, learn, repeat, right? A little easier. Question number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? So I was actually, I was in a strategy call with my team about two hours, right? Because like, I'm, so we we're just talking about this, right? How like now being fully sort of global remote, how much more different is it just turning on the camera for two hours and me at working at my desk, the CMO at his desk, and like the CTO at his desk versus like being in the same office. Like mm-hmm. what is, what really is the difference if we can do that? So we use Google Docs, right? Like we're collaboratively in the same document. Like as a matter of fact, in person, I can't even do that, right? Like we're writing, a, we can't all three of us be writing on the same piece of paper, right? And so like, yeah, we, we're just talking about 
like how this seems to be at least now much more efficient. Yeah. I have to say we've been, Josh and I started a company, you may know it actually called Territory Foods, which is up in New York as well, just having been in the uh, food tech space. But but we were remote really the whole time for about 10 years, you know? And so doing things that weren't remote was always very weird for us, right? After having done it for so long and appreciated all the ins and outs of it, big fans of remote work. And I'm so glad that so many other people have kind of come around to it out of necessity, unfortunately, because of COVID, but man, it really accelerated things. So that's pretty cool. Question 10, last one. What are you going to do next after the podcast? I have a meeting with a creator at seven. <laughs> so in an hour, right. yeah, in an hour, I got a meeting with a creator. Cool guy. Really cool guy. That should be a good NFT collection. Great, man. You got any possible releases that you could tell us about that, that are exciting um, coming up? Nothing that I could say on the podcast right, right now, okay. but I can say we will be releasing that at the LA NFT event that you guys are hosting. Hey, now, NFTLA, mm. shout out. That's awesome. That'll be great. Absolutely. So cool. All right. Yeah, yeah. And we can now tell everyone officially that the event is an extra day. There's just too many amazing speakers and too much great content to cover in two and a half days. So now we're going to have a three and a half day event. And rumors are there's a lot of extension events that are being planned around NFTLA. And, and we're totally down for that. Maybe some really special VIP parties too. Multiple little birds are telling us. That's right. So yeah, keep keep an eye out for some really sweet uh, stuff coming from Memento on that front. Julian, yeah, great, fun stuff, man. Thanks for playing edge quick hitters with us. We always appreciate it. And just thanks for joining us, man. It was a great conversation. I don't know about uh, our listeners, but I'm super duper excited about what's happening with Memento and where things are going. A big fan of everything you're putting together there. We wanted to uh, make sure that our listeners knew where the best place would be to follow you and all of your projects. And so where should they go? You can follow me on Twitter at product underscore J. LinkedIn, I'm really sort of active on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Julian Rodriguez. The guy with the laser eyes, that's me. Nice. <laughs> and then, yeah, everything Memento NFT is just Memento NFT. Except for the Instagram. The Instagram is Memento NFT with an S at the end, Memento NFTs. So yeah, check us out at MementoNFT.com. And please sign up to Discord, our mailing list. We'll be airdropping really good goodies to everyone there. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. And and on that note, I guess we have a pretty cool giveaway in the works. We're going to uh, give Memento tokens to the first 500 participants of a contest that we're putting together who sign up for the beta version of Memento. And then on top of that, one lucky winner will also receive a one-of-one NFT, a one-of-a-kind NFT from Memento. So keep an eye out for that. Watch our socials. We'll give you all the deets on how to participate. Great. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And remember, we always invite you to co-create and build with us at Edge of NFT. We're unlocking a whole new way to connect and collaborate with us through our own NFT drops, Spirit Seeds, leading to Living Tree NFT which will light the way to our event that we just talked about, NFT LA, a one-of-a-kind, immersive, and unforgettable experience at LA Live in Los Angeles, March 28th to the 31st now. Check it out at nftla.live and move quick on early bird tickets as they are moving fast. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today.
This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective with deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.